from GRNE Solar. This. This. This is What's Up. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What's Up, the best darn podcast in the whole freaking world. Your number one news <laughs> source for everything sustainable and renewable energy. You've got Ryan, you've got Maria, and you've got Connor this time back to bring you what is in the news. Guys, thanks for joining me again. That as was, uh, I don't know if I can meet your pep this early in the morning. Yeah, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot of energy for me. Yeah, I agree early. with what, everything you said, though. No changes there. See, that's the problem. It's even earlier for me. So it really just makes you guys kind of look bad. A little you know, bit. Switch. You know, the second we start recording, it just beep, turns right on. That's what happens when you don't get your vitamin D for it's going on a week now. Yeah. Yeah, the sun is nice. I'll be honest. The sun's pretty nice. But for all of our listeners out there, we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Of course, as always, this this uh, Watson the News is presented by GRNE Solar, the Midwest number one leader for renewable energy and solar energy. Uh, definitely go check them out, grnesolar.com. Try and get your new solar installation today. Take advantage of some incentives. And you know, let's hope maybe new administration coming in is going to increase that. You never know. So we're going to get into what's in the news today. And we decided that as we're going into the new season here, we're going to start doing uh, some theme episodes type of thing. So instead of us all going in crazy different directions, while it's always fun, we want to make sure that uh, we are on theme to give you guys, our listeners, some good ideas for what is coming up in the future. So a little peek into the, into the crystal ball right now, our next episode. Uh, we're going to be having a an interview with Regenerative. Yeah. Uh, Murray, go ahead. So we're going to talk with Jennifer Maynard. Of She's the CEO, co-founder of Nutrition for Longevity. And she's going to talk with us about regenerative farming movement and her input on that area of farming. I'm excited to talk with Jennifer. And uh, I think Connor had the most knowledge into farming and like I think it has something to do with the topsoil, but I'm really excited about going into this with barely any knowledge and uh, just picking our brain completely. Those are usually our best ones when we mm-hmm. go, don't really know a whole lot about it. Yeah. And it looks like there's been a rapid spike in the regenerative farming due to this documentary, Kiss the Ground, which features Woody Harrelson, Rosario Dawson, and Patricia and David Arquette. They have in here star-studded documentary, and uh, it got me at Woody Harrelson. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, awesome. <laughs> all right, we're good. Yeah, so we'll definitely link that uh, the the name of that documentary down in the show notes for this episode. All our listeners, we're gonna watch this before the interview, so we know and we're kind of up to date and can ask questions. So I encourage all of our listeners to go watch it as well. If we find a, a good place to to watch it, I'll make put that in the notes too. Um, so everybody can watch it and everyone's up to date and know exactly what what we're talking about when we start asking questions. So that's going to be good. So yeah, as Marie said, we're going to talk about some sustainable farming, farming kind of in general, obviously big area as far as green and um, sustainable goes. And we all know Chipotle for years has been pushing organic and, and you know, pesticide and all that and free and, and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like every restaurant and, and organization is jumping on and people are just getting more and more up to date with organic food, all of that. So we're going to focus on some of that stuff, some, you know, pushes in there to get more sustainable in farming. I think this is more of a, uh, you know, unanticipated, you know, consequence of 
you know, how we looked into it uh, in our own ways. But Marie, I know you did more of a, uh, when we started talking about our articles, more of a global outlook. And then Ryan, we did a national. And then I, I did something that's a little bit more central to where, you know, where we're kind of recording this podcast right now in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to us kind of either start from low and go high or go start from high and go low. Yeah, totally agree. that's a perfect think- way to put it. Let's let's start on the low end, Connor. If you want to start and give us your your local perspective, what's going on and what what is in your news? Yeah, so this is something that is actually local to some of the uh, suburbs that I actually grew up in, uh, northwest kind of the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, some uh, local co-op that's gaining a lot of traction in the northwest suburbs. This co-op has uh, is always basically all community funded. It's funded by you know folks who can buy you know quote unquote shares of this. Um, and they get, you know, various benefits, um, you know, membership voting, the whole nine yards. Um, and the co-op I'm talking about here is actually the food shed co-op that's opening up in Woodstock, Illinois. Um, so the reason I chose this because is because it's something that, you know, you know, when we think about co-ops or when I you know, started looking into where co-ops are located in, in the Chicagoland area, a lot of them were more focused, you know, in the actual Chicago area. When I say co-ops, I mean actual physical stores. I know for a fact, Ryan, you actually, uh, you know, worked with a co-op and, you know, had them go solar. Is that correct? Yeah, that that I did. I worked in the FS system previously. So it's, right. uh, I worked for the, the parent company, Growmark, and the larger co-op is the FS system uh, that's based out of uh, Bloomington, Illinois, is their headquarters is where I was but it's all across the entire Midwest. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was really, I thought it was a really interesting article because, um, you know, it's specifically for my area, you know, a lot of local farmers and a lot of, uh, you know, kind of artisans as they call them, um, whenever they have these specialty products or whenever they have, you know, uh, you know, fruits, vegetables, et cetera, that they grow, a lot of times those are shipped, you know, to more of the Chicago, you know, central Chicago area, um, to these kind of food co-ops. Um, so, you know, personally for me, especially being from the area, I'm actually really excited for this co-op to, um, to open up because it's going to allow farmers in the area um, to, you know, instead of shipping things over to Chicago, um, to actually, you know, focus on uh, the local community and actually provide, you know, fresh organic food for uh, the citizens, you know, inside uh, McHenry County and, and its surrounding areas. There we so go. Can I ask you about that for a sec? So you mentioned that this is an actual like physical building. Right. So is this, so I've heard of co-ops where, uh, farming co-ops where you buy in and then they ship you the food directly as sort of a co-op like at your door. And then I've heard of co-ops where um, exactly like you were saying, it's, it's uh, farmers get together and then they ship their goods off to Chicago or major food. But now it sounds like there's something new, maybe new to me, <laughs> that is actual physical store. So it's like a um, a home, what is it like a farmer's market with a roof? On. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and you know, that's, that's Marie, that's actually a perfect way to put it because uh, a lot of times you're exactly right with, with like co-ops, local co-ops, you know, it's either, you know, maybe you have a farmer who, you know, lives a few miles away. Um, you know, you subscribe to this monthly box that give you, you know, vegetables, uh, you know, could be weekly, give you vegetables, fruits, you know, that kind of stuff you go and you pick it up or, you know, they ship it to you. Um, so that's more of like a, a decentralized kind of system where, uh, you know, they're shipping things out, but the benefit of having a consolidated, um, you know, building like 
like this co-op um, is that, yeah, it's like, it is like a farmer's market, but the benefit is that it's, you know, a grocery store full mm-hmm. of products from local farmers, which is something that, you know, whenever you go to Jewel or Aldi or wherever, you know, you normally don't get that. Right. I was literally complaining about this this morning. I saw a commercial about from Whole Foods and the grocery store that's around our area. Um, and we move a couple of years ago. So my usual grocery store is way too far to go to. So now I'm going to a new big chain grocery store. The produce after I would say two days is gone, like dried up. I'm the only one that eats a lot of fruit in the house. So it's up to me to get through a carton of, well, raspberries are easy, but it's for like a pound of strawberries. It's up to me to get through in two days. Otherwise they're terrible. I think that that would help, that it's not going through so many different channels, um, like you were saying. So I'm excited. Woodstock is fairly close. I would be excited to check that out. Sorry for intervening again. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. I mean, no, you're exactly right, too, because it's like, you know, a lot of a lot of grocery stores, you know, like, um, you know, the big the big one that kind of really promotes organic and fresh and stuff like that around here is uh, like Mariano's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, you know, their whole aesthetic and, you know, when you go in, they're a little more uh, high end, if you will. Um, but you're exactly right. They do, you know, they do support local farmers and they, I'm sure they do, you know, pull in uh, agriculture and everything from the area. But, you know, their, their strawberries and everything like that, you know, in the middle of December, they're not they're not getting those from Illinois. <laughs> right, right. So, and I mean, you know, they kind of have a mix of both. You're exactly right. You know, those big chains aren't getting them locally. I mean, right. you can't even trench they the ground right now you can't put wires in the ground what makes you think you're gonna pair <laughs> yeah, it you could get all of that like think about how much produce how much fruit and vegetables that grocery stores go through on a daily basis there's no way you could get all of that from local areas it's just not possible right and that's what i was gonna say i would be willing to pay more if say it rhymes with cool had even their organic section last longer Mm-hmm. I would pay more for that, but it hasn't proven successful. <laughs> That's why I don't buy organic food. I, I go to the grocery store and it's like, hey, here's the organic apples. And it's like, okay, they're like $2.99 a pound and they are like not good within like two days. Yeah. Like, I could also buy the regular ones. It's good for like a week and, and it's, you know, 69 cents. Yeah, but I'm running into both with where I'm going. Again, I saw the commercial on Whole Foods and I was like, I wonder if that would be anything different. And I know around that area, Connor, the Northwest suburbs, they built Mariano and it went gangbusters. Like you could barely get into the parking lot. And I don't know if it's still like that, but I'm assuming that it is pretty popular. Mm -hmm. So having this co-op would be, and you're supporting local. I mean, there's nothing better than that when you can support a local business and then it feels good about, hey, I'm paying a little bit more, but I can physically drive past the farm right. to see what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head with that, you know, and I think that would, you know, I, I personally, have, uh, I personally would advocate for talking about, you know, actually dedicating a podcast episode to talking about, you know, decentralized farming and, and everything like that, because ultimately where we're going, you know, is, is instead of instead of these large grocery stores, you know, where you have things shipped from, you know, all over the world, which is still going to be relevant, of course, if you if people are given the option to uh, buy local and get their fruits and vegetables locally, I think they're all, I think they're going to do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Really I mean, great. usually around this time of year, maybe not so much, but when it was in the fall time, people set up stands for corn. Constantly. Nothing's better than that corn. Mm. That street corn. Yeah. Yeah. Side of the road corn. Mm, mm-hmm. that's the best kind. Yeah. By far. The, uh, I mean, have you guys ever heard of that, that um, company? It's called Imperfect Produce. Yeah. It reminds mm-hmm. me kind of, of like what Connor's talking about here. So there's this company, Connor, called Imperfect Produce, where they okay. send boxes of like fruits ugly. stuff. Fruit and vegetables. All, like ugly stuff. Stuff they couldn't right. It's all twisted and mangled, disgusting. But like, it's still like lettuce. It just looks gross. Interesting. Interesting. It's like yeah, mutated. I'll, I'll check that out. Like it's not like brown lettuce and they're like, this is supposed to be iceberg. It's like mutated where there's like four heads of lettuce in one or like carrots right. have like two shafts kind of thing. Exactly. So it, it, this, what you're talking about, Connor, kind of sounds like what they want to do, except not with ugly food, with just regular food and, you know, local Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if anybody from that co-op is, uh, you know, listening, I'm sure we would, uh, you know, love to have a discussion with you guys at some point about, uh, you know, if, if we are continuing the farming trend here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also good- what I recently learned is some t- in some cases, depending on the shares that you buy and how it's structured, you can get dividends out of um, paying into a co-op. So it's also an investment strategy. Absolutely. Can't wait to say that. Great article. Did they Connor. give the name of the co-op? Yeah, absolutely. So I will, I will definitely plug it here. So the, the specific co-op I'm re- uh, referencing is the Food Shed Co-op. And it's going to be hopefully going up here uh, in like 2022. And if you are interested in uh, uh, kind of checking out their website, um, you can go to foodshed.coop. Awesome. Recommend all of our listeners do that. that so now great. that we talked local... You want to talk national? Let's do it. And actually, Connor is a uh, his idea here for decentralized farming is actually a perfect segue into my my article. So I I pulled some news from mymodernnet dot or mymodernmet.com talking about kind of a profile on a company out of San Francisco that's called Plenty, and their their whole thing here is vertical farming. Obviously, this is instead of vast landscapes of just rolling hills worth of of farm field, this would be something that would be inside of a a large, very tall building and growing things, you know, vertically. So their reason, their kind of reasoning behind all this is that they're saying that based on just trends of of where people are are going in 30 years, 70% of the world's population will live within cities. So the permit, brings a unique challenge of how do you feed all these people with not only the incredible growth in population that we're seeing over the last hundred plus years, but with just that many people that dense, you can't possibly have farms and with urban sprawl, we know that, you know, the cities are just getting bigger. So it's going to take up farmland. So what this company has done instead now is built, you know, large buildings and are growing these, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables and everything just vertically instead growing all their produce. And the really interesting thing here, this article stated was that Plenty's farms here, they're occupying just two acres of land is their, their building size. However, they're producing enough food that would be equal to 720 acres of traditional. Wow. Wow. 
Yeah. So their own estimation here is that their farms can produce about 400 times more food with, you know, on less land than a traditional farm that would be on the wow. same space. That's incredible. Yeah. I was going to ask if the buildings are like climate controlled and like basically vertical greenhouses. You're exactly right. So that's exactly what they are. So they're vertical greenhouses that are completely climate controlled. And they're actually one of the things that makes Plenty so unique is that they're using uh, robots and AI to help in their farming. So mm. the, the artificial intelligence is monitoring the water usage, the amount of light that these plants are getting, the temperature, really to make the perfect growing environment for what they're trying to grow, which inherently in the normal farming process takes out a lot of the variability. So often you could ask any farmer and they could probably tell you, you know, hundreds of, of war stories on we got a weird you know, weather pattern come through in the summer and it you know, significantly impacted the crops or you know, there was a, a heat wave and there was a drought and then we just didn't have the water and we didn't grow as much. This makes the absolute perfect environment for all these crops to grow. So they're using that AI um, and as it time goes on, that AI is going to evolve and learn to be able to grow crops faster and in just better quality. So you can have, wow. you know, bigger and, and better fruits and vegetables than, you know, you could grow in a field. Yeah. Very cool. Um, one of the other cool things here for, as far as like sustainability goes is not only does it use less land. So in, by, uh, by Plenty's estimate, you know, they can produce this, but like compared to a traditional amount of food, like the same amount of food produced, they would be using 99% less land and a 95% less water. Wow. So we're talking about water scarcity being a thing. That's going to be huge too, because now you don't need as much to be able to have the same thing. You're not losing as much to just evaporation or you're not having to you know, worry about rain or runoff. You can make sure that everything is channeled properly through these vertical farms and it makes it a much more efficient process. Yeah. And I that's know, what was it, two, three years ago, there was year after year having issues with romaine lettuce and it yep. was the runoff from the cattle fields would run off into the um, vegetable area or the produce areas and then we would end up with e coli or things like of that nature um, right. and it's just the farmers don't have the infrastructure or the capability to set things up um, you know, as things have evolved. In a climate controlled area with light control to make sure everything is perfect, you can grow non-seasonal foods. So like, you know, you typically are getting strawberries, you know, like you guys just said, in you know, the middle of the summer when they're growing like in the Midwest, you could grow that year round in one of these farms because you, you right. have that seasonal variability on them um, as well. They're, uh, because everything is controlled, you're not as open to like bugs coming through or, or different, you know, types of, of fungus or, you know, bacteria, whatever's going to grow in these is that these crops can be grown without pesticides as well. So you want to talk organic. This is the next step in organic food, because this is something that's not having to use anything. You know, they, they can use fertilizer for the soil. But that's, that's it. They don't have to spray these crops with anything in order for it to grow, you know, to avoid X, Y, and Z bug that's coming through. It's going to take out half of the crop. So See, that point actually worries me 
because if there's anything I learned from my earth sciences class is that biodiversity is very finicky. And mm -hmm. if this becomes the future, we are throwing off a whole lot of insects and animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. You know, the, uh, obviously the, um, you know, using 99% less land, you know, that's obviously huge. Using, using 95% less water is like, I, I think is the, is the statistic that really stands out here because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like with this kind of application, they're probably using like some sort of like hydroponic, like, like vertical structure. Yeah, that basically seems like what it what it looks like. And I've there's a, a video that we'll link in the notes of and yeah. uh, pictures and an article, this one that I'm reading, where everything is kind of just gone up. So I don't know if it's hydroponically necessarily, or like the one video that I was watching had, you know, it was basically columns that were filled with soil and the water is kind of like seeping its way down through the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Does it say anything about the building? So um, you said that this would be built into like a dense city or so type of area. About the building as far as like energy consumption would go. Yeah, I was wondering if like, does it give off so much CO2 because of all of that going on in there where it's, it's helpful and it's like planting a bunch of trees because that would be pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm sure there probably is a, a net oxygen production from yeah. this from this building. But one would think that it would, you know, go perfectly with a renewable system. So like a, a something like this could be set up with a, you know, a solar power plant or, you know, a wind turbine to be able to power it. And then you're having the ultimate in sustainable farming that's, you know, not using more energy to produce, you know, more power. It's using less energy to produce more. They could do wind turbines and wind mills to circulate the water through you could have up some grain. I mean, <laughs> guys, limit. Right now. <laughs> um, Absolutely. One of the things that the company's co-founder uh, was in this article saying is that he believes one of the biggest benefits of this is going to be food security. So, you know, you obviously have the United States where we're very, it's very easy for us to get food, but there are a lot of countries around the world where they just don't have the productive farmland that we do. So what they can do is have one of these buildings and be producing, or you know, multiple of these buildings, producing their own food instead of, have, instead of having to import it from other countries now. And that mm -hmm. changes the way that your nation, your economy views food is not as a commodity anymore, but as a, a resource you know, that you have. They can do all that locally. So it's something that I think you're probably going to see in a lot of countries around the world as this grows. And the company will definitely be growing because it's already got investments from Google and Amazon and will soon is a relative word. But this article was published in the end of December of 2020. They said it's soon going to be providing produce to more than 430 stores across California. It's going to be coming here fast. Wow. Very cool. I hope in their elevators... Because I'm imagining it like, you know, a 15-story like thing. Yeah. And it's like floor 12, berries, you know, <laughs> like floor 16, limes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> floor 20, mangoes. Yeah. And then like the potatoes, because like potatoes are like underground. So those like people so like look like moles and like they have like hats on with lights and they're like, I like the work on the, the underminer. Floor. The underminer, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> underminer from Incredibles. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Oh man. Yeah. So that's going to be a really cool one. We'll link all of the, uh, the article in the, in the video in our, in our show notes too. But I think that's going to be a cool one. So watch out because I'm sure you will be seeing a lot of vertical farms uh, coming in the next probably 10 years or so. Yeah. I love that. We're transitioning here, local, national, mine's global. And there were three points that you mentioned, Ryan, that tie in perfectly with this is actually what Asian countries are facing right now. And um, you mentioned that 70% of people live in cities and not having enough food to feed people. Also having productive farmland, like consistent productive farmland to make sure that you can feed all of these people. The result of COVID among just the overwhelming amount of people in Asian countries, they're already facing this. And so I have an article by Business Times and it is all about building a safe, secure, sustainable, agriculture sector in Asian countries. And it's about where they are now and what is projected if things were to stay the same in the future. And then a couple of things that different areas around Asian countries are doing to hopefully lessen that impact. So this is mentions right off the bat, by 2030, the amount of arable land per person in Asia is expected to fall further by 5%. There's Hmm. a lot of people, not a lot of land (laughs) for people. (laughs) Again, with the effects of COVID, they are, that's definitely slowing down economic growth at many levels as we know about, but it also is affecting the different farming industries like seafood, agriculture, you know, like produce, I mean, and then obviously meat. What they're trying to do is ramp up food supplies in in different capacities. Few areas that they are really looking at to make things more sustainable is developing things like looking at insect meal or seaweed or other natural ingredients that can help out with supplementing different different food developments. Hmm. And I think we talked about insect meal. I think I had a watch in the news about crickets. Maybe you did. Yeah, that yeah. No, I think you definitely did because you were you were very excited about the crickets at one yeah. point. We were talking yeah. about uh, cricket meals and cricket protein. I've heard a lot too of that like seaweed and like sea based vegetables grow very quickly. So like that kind of stuff is is like easily replaceable. Yeah, right. And then what is around that country? I mean, they have tons of different water sources. Connor, I wrote down about decentralized farming, but we also talked about talking about the great plastic death spiral or whatever that is. What is it? Uh, the great, the great uh, garbage patch in the Pacific. I was close, right? <laughs> <laughs> it basically yeah. is a death spiral. Yeah. Um, so I think that would, if we're relying more on sea weed or sea produced sources, then that needs, then that influences uh, cleaning up a little bit more on potentially that influences. But as we talked to what season one, Singapore, they just have nowhere to put things. They haven't cleaned seas. Yeah. They, they don't have anything like there's just nowhere to, you know, they're, they were talking about how they were taking all this trash and incinerating it just because there's no room for even like a landfill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was a little bit of what they're looking into in more sustainable ways to get the same, you know, like Connor's article, taking out those pesticides and making it a more organic option for people so that it is healthier. 
And then looking into also lessening the footprint around the different livestock and fisheries. It didn't give really any firm numbers, but production amounts accounts for, and this is livestock and fishery production accounts for 31% of food-related greenhouse gas emissions. Wow. And then food production is also responsible for about 26% of global greenhouse gas emissions. And if you look at, I can't find it. It was on LinkedIn. It was a video and it showed the um, ascension of how much waste is per country. And United States was up there. So it was like, a smaller country, I can't recall. And then it went up and United States was like far up. So think a house versus skyscraper size. And then it showed Asia and Asian countries were like 12 skyscrapers high. <laughs> so I love that they're looking into this largely around here. It's Singapore that is, is really spearheading making changes um, it doesn't pointedly say in this article what Singapore's biggest production is. I want to say it's seafood because that's mentioned a number of times throughout this, but they didn't clearly state like Singapore produces. This is their best producer, but it's on people's minds and having a country like Asia flip. So like I'm saying, their waste is eight skyscrapers high, having them make a switch, even a little one is going to be a massive impact. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. they have, again, so many people, limited land at this point. And I hope they're listening and look into vertical farming now. <laughs> right. That would be, I mean, that's the perfect solution, I would say. Yeah, it's a good option. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really great. You're, you're exactly right. Like, what it, it's the same thing we see in any greenhouse gas is that any any waste any you know, greenhouse gas a lot of this is coming from the Asian continent. There's just there's not a lot of land and there's a ton of people in there. So the fact that they are looking into this and reversing it means that it's it's a changing tide. You know when when the top the the tippy top of the you know producers of you know whatever you want to say start to make changes, it's going to trickle down to the rest. Of every other country, because often, yeah, like, how much stuff is imported from Asian countries into the U.S. So if those countries start doing things more sustainably and green, then the U.S. importing that stuff is going to be getting it, and it's also going to have to change our processes. So it'll run through everything. um, So this article, I want to weave off with it is that um, they're offering at least the United Nations has a um, division, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And Hmm. it's an area and they have extended over 8 billion in sustainable financing, trying to promote and help people shift over to sustainability. Change takes a lot of money and promoting sustainability. I mean, maybe it's just recycling and that's all you can do, but that's a massive part of something that you can be doing. Yeah, I mean, the beauty right. of talking about that forever. Everyone needs to do their little part in order to make, you know, big changes. Like everyone, and there's only so much, you know, that, that individuals can do. And it's going to take a lot from the top and from 
countries and, and companies and all that, but start where you can't, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited about our next guest to talk yeah, about. I think this is going to be really cool. I think it's going to be awesome to, to see more of, I'm sure we'll hear some of the, the same topics and ideas that we've gone over kind of today and, and excited to, to see more about what's coming in that space. Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting to see, you know, especially uh, I think this is a you know, great episode to tie into, uh, you know, what we, what we're going to be discussing next week. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to all of our listeners, if you want to leave a comment, shoot us an email, something like, do you like having us uh, tie it in? Do you want just the random stuff back again? Let us know. Cause we're, you know, we're, we're at your guys' mercy. We, we want to make sure that we do some, what's going to make you guys happy. So if you like this method, let us know if you don't, also let us know but no matter what make sure you leave a five-star review if you want to know more about any kind of the farming and the articles make sure you check our show notes we'll have all the information videos everything that we pulled in there as always make sure you subscribe uh, like leave a comment review five stars we always appreciate it uh, make sure you go check out grne solar you can find them at grne solar on all of social media and you can go follow the whatsapp podcast on instagram Follow some more of our uh, our new content. We're looking at potentially put out some videos too on YouTube. So yeah. watch out for that kind of stuff coming too. Um, and now you know what's up. Thanks, guys.